I I was like, I have to think of a cold open. And then I was like, well, the movie was a pretty cold open. And then I was, I hated myself for thinking that. Just because the thing <laughs> unfreezes himself. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the movie is pretty cold. I'm, I'm mad at myself now. I'm not going to get over this for the like, rest of the podcast. Do we introduce ourselves first, or do we give anything? No, no, we have we have done no introduction. But uh, I'm wondering <laughs> what order we. I never remember the order. We do it so many times, and I just don't know the order. <laughs> we we do the introduction. Oh, okay. Hi guys, I'm Pav Zafir. This is Marshall. I'm also Ian. <laughs> oh no, that's. <laughs> this is why you don't do the intros. <laughs> Fine, you do the introduction. <laughs> All right, <laughs> gladly. Welcome to Paths of Fear, the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience. I'm Ian. I might be Marshall. I could be the thing. Who knows? You could be the thing. That's mm-hmm. true. We don't know. <laughs> because for this week, we're taking a look at The Thing, a movie I've never watched but have wanted to watch for a long while now. It won for our classic creature horror theme. It's an American science fiction horror movie made in 1982. It was written by Bill Lancaster, based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? And of course, it was directed by John Carpenter. Oh, John. Also, apparently, the movie was an adaptation of the 1951 film, The Thing from Another World. Very interesting. I... I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, how, how dare you? How dare you say how much you enjoyed it? Yeah, no, that's before I set the movie teaser. Now people are spoiled. I'm so sorry. Now they won't have any reason to listen to the rest of the podcast. That's right. Oh my god. <laughs> well, anyways, should I should it do the teaser? Yeah, give us a little teaser and tease away a little bit. A group of American researchers are stationed in Antarctica. Nearby, they find a recently abandoned and destroyed Norwegian research base along with proof of an excavation and the burned remains of a malformed humanoid outside. The Norwegian researchers had found life under the ice, and like everything in the Arctic, it needs shelter, and a human may just be the warmest place to hide. Who could be trusted when lurking within any one of them could be the thing. I didn't even mention the dog getting chased by a helicopter, Ian. I didn't. <laughs> That's the biggest tease thing to do. Well, maybe you should do your own teasers. <laughs> maybe I will tease, Ian. Who knows? <laughs> Don't test me. <laughs> oh, I already spoiled what I thought, Ian, so what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no point in you even scoring it. You yeah, already know. said it was Jeez. good. So I, I'm giving it uh, an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I, thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Not, not to steal your words, but... <laughs> um yeah it was it was a great movie uh it was really fun to watch i really liked the horror in it and it's stood the test of time in my opinion personally i give it a 9 out of 10 so that puts us at an 8.5 out of 10 wow yeah no i i'm just super impressed that it holds up so well the effects even hold up well which is crazy for the time it was made it just it does a good job it's and you can't really argue that too much i feel like that it doesn't and plus, it's got Kurt Russell. And how can you go wrong with Kurt Russell? That's right. <laughs> He's just great. Our audience, Ian, they actually also gave it an 8.5, ranging from the 7 to 10s. Same score. Interesting. That's just crazy. I don't think this has ever happened before. So far in this episode, I have become entirely obsolete. There is no <laughs> use for us. <laughs> you don't do the itch show or the teaser. I know. Jeez. I give my Jeez thoughts Louise. too early. This yeah, you spoiled terrible. your own thoughts like oh god you, you couldn't do the cold open or okay. really did but it was it was like 
Maybe I am the thing. Maybe <laughs> you are. I'm up so much. It's not a perfect <laughs> imitationist. That's a good timing because I was about to say that uh, for our guest today, we actually have the thing. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you want to go ahead and go give us a summary, and then we'll dive into it in greater detail? Sounds good. It's the beginning of winter, 1982, somewhere in Antarctica. A helicopter chases a sled dog running on the ground below. A man in a heavy jacket and equipped with a long-range rifle shoots at the dog, and even drops grenades over it. The dog dodges each attack and runs towards an American research base, Outpost 31, where a 12-man research crew is making their last winter preparations. The helicopter flies in and lands as the dog runs up to the Americans. The group is puzzled as they watch the rifleman and the pilot emerge from the helicopter. One of the men pulls the pin on a grenade, but it slips out of his icy mitts and lands behind him. The pilot frantically tries to find the grenade in the snow, but it explodes, killing him and destroying their helicopter. The rifleman continues shouting at the Americans, but they can't understand him. He shoots again at the dog standing next to them, but misses and hits Bennings in the leg. Camp leader Gary reacts quickly and shoots and kills the hysteric rifleman with his revolver. The American research team, bewildered by the event, look into nearby research operations and figure out which the Norwegians hailed from. McCready, the team's helicopter pilot, and Copper, the team's doctor, go to investigate the Norwegian base. Upon arrival, they find it devastated by fire and explosions, and is now completely frozen over. Almost no one, dead or alive, is to be seen. Only hints at a terrible struggle. One researcher is found, frozen in his chair, his wrists and throat slit, indicating suicide. McCready and Copper explore further and find a large and carved-out block of ice. Outside in the snow, McCready and Copper find the burnt and frozen corpse of a malformed humanoid. It looks somewhat human, but is most definitely not. They wrap it up and bring it back to their base for examination. An autopsy performed by biologist Blair reveals the humanoid has a normal set of internal organs, despite its especially deformed body. Heart, lungs, kidneys, liver, intestines. Seem to be normal. That night, the dog handler Clark puts the dog the Norwegians were chasing into the kennel with the team's sled dogs. Once Clark leaves, the other dogs soon react with fear to the new addition, growling and snarling. The new dog suddenly transforms into a hideous creature. Tentacle-like appendages shoot from its abdomen, and crustacean legs burst from its sides. It starts attacking the other dogs, latching onto them with its many thin tentacles. Having heard the commotion, Clark returns and is horrified by what he finds. McCready hears cries from the dogs along with the thing's unworldly groans from another room. He immediately sounds the fire alarm, waking up the entire camp, who converge on the kennel where they see the hideous and still somewhat dog-like creature consuming some of the sled dogs. McCready starts shooting the creature, but it doesn't seem to do much. Part of the creature separates from the rest and pulls itself up through the ceiling. Eventually, Childs shows up with the flamethrower and sets the thing on fire, which seems to kill it. An autopsy done by Blair on the thing's remains reveals its secret. It's an alien organism that can mimic other life forms by digesting them and reshaping itself into their image. The team also watches a videotape they found at the Norwegian base. It shows them working at an excavation site, forming a circle around an object in the ice and using thermite charges to uncover it. Here. This is it, the place where they're spending most of their time. Pretty nasty out, Mac. 35 knots. Screw it, I'm gonna go up anyway. The next day, McCready flies with Palmer and Norris to this mysterious excavation site. There they find an enormous alien spaceship in an open crater, the top of it blown open. They repel down and look around. Norris estimates that the ship has been under the ice for at least 100,000 years. On the edge of the crater, they find the cutout for the block of ice that was at the Norwegian base. 
After returning to the rest of the team, McCready theorizes the Norwegians awakened the creature after thawing it from its ice block, and it immediately began to attack them. That evening, Blair studies the behavior of the thing's cells. He sees them attack and replicate other cells they're put next to. On his computer, he calculates that the probability one or more of them is infected by the alien organism is 75%, and that if the alien reached civilization, the Earth's population would be infected within 27,000 hours. Windows and Bennings put the remains recovered from the Norwegian base into a storage room, and Windows leaves momentarily. At the same time, assistant biologist Fuchs asks to speak privately with McCready. He tells McCready that he's seen Blair's notes, and that Blair believes some of the organism's cells are still alive and active in its burned remains. Windows returns to the storage room to find Bennings wrapped in tentacles. Windows gets the other team members, but they're too late, as Bennings has escaped through the storage room window. They venture outside and find him in the snow, his transformation nearly complete, except for his hands, which are large and grotesque claws. McCready and the team incinerate him alive, his screams inhuman. They then burn the remaining specimens. Soon after, Blair appears to lose his mind. He kills the surviving sled dogs and destroys the helicopter and the base's communications equipment, intentionally trapping the crew and the thing. Though he has a gun, the others manage to overwhelm him and lock him in the camp's tool shed. Watch, Clark. What? I said, watch, Clark. And watch him close, do you hear me? The next morning, fear and paranoia linger over the base. Nobody knows if anyone is who they say they are. Dr. Copper suggests he may be able to develop a blood test to see who might be infected, using the crew's store to clean blood for comparison. However, Copper alerts the team when he finds that the blood bags in the lab have been slashed open, completely compromising their integrity. Copper believes that someone deliberately destroyed the blood to prevent the test from happening. Gary and Copper become suspects, as they are the only ones with access to the blood storage locker. Clark is also regarded with suspicion due to his earlier proximity to the imitation dog. All three are tied up by McCready, who takes over as the de facto leader of the team to find the imposter. A whiteout storm hits the base, and the outside temperature drops severely. The team is forced to hunker down, all of them distrustful of one another. McCready talks to Fuchs, who only has weak theories from Blair's notes. However, Fuchs recommends that everyone prepares their own meals and eats only out of cans, as it seems even a small contamination of the invasive cells could cause full assimilation. That same evening, Fuchs, while researching how the thing multiplies, is caught off guard when power is cut off to the lab. After going after it, Fuchs finds a tattered shirt with McCready printed on the back of it. He's then killed off-camera. What appears to be his charred body is found outside in the snow a few hours later by Mac, Nalls, and Windows. Why would it burn him? Flair! Maybe he tried to burn it! Maybe he burned himself before it could get to him. McCready tells Windows to return to the main building, while he goes with Nalls to investigate his shack. What the hell for? Because when I left yesterday, I turned the lights off. Sometime later, Nalls returns to the base, exhausted due to the cold. He tells the others he found a ragged uniform with Mac's name on it in the oil furnace inside McCready's shack, indicating the thing might have gotten to him as it tears through clothing to assimilate a victim. As they were struggling back to the main compound, Nalls intentionally cut Mac's safety line and made a break for it. The team locks and barricades the doors, but McCready breaks through a storeroom window. He arms himself with a small bundle of dynamite and a lit flare. Anyone messes with me and the whole camp goes. Come on, child, burn me. Put those torches on the floor and back off. When Childs and the others rebel against McCready, Norris collapses, appearing to have a heart attack. Mac, dynamite still in hand, tells the team to get him on the table and for Dr. Copper to revive him. While Copper uses defibrillator paddles, Norris's chest suddenly opens up into a monstrous mouth and bites Copper's arms clean off. 
McCready uses a flamethrower to destroy the thing, leaving only its head, which sprouts spider-like legs and tries to crawl away before McCready sets it ablaze as well. McCready leads the others back into the storeroom, now armed with a gun. He proposes a test to determine who is infected. Everyone will provide a blood sample, and then those blood samples will be subjected to intense heat. The theory is that each part of the thing tries to survive independently, just like the spider head, and therefore, thing blood will actively try to escape the heat. To start, McCready demands everyone subject themselves to be tied up, but Childs refuses. McCready points the gun at him, ready to shoot, when Clark lunges at him with a scalpel. McCready quickly turns and shoots him square in the head. Now that they know he's serious, Childs and everyone else agrees to be tied up, and also provides samples of their blood. Clark and Copper are also tied up and sampled, even though they appear dead. Windows, having been the one directed to tie everyone up, is the first to be tested. McCready heats up a copper wire with a blowtorch and touches it to his blood sample. It burns, but does not react. Windows is human. McCready arms him with another flamethrower to torch anyone who turns out to be the thing. McCready continues. He tests Clark and Copper, who turn out to not be infected either. He then openly accuses Gary of being most likely to be the thing, which is why he'll go last. But as he's saying this, he tests Palmer's blood, which leaps from the Petri dish. Palmer then begins to transform, and McCready's flamethrower misfires while Windows hesitates to kill the Palmer thing. Palmer's entire head then splits open and turns into a bizarre mouth which latches on to Windows' head. McCready manages to get his flamethrower working and sets the thing on fire. It crashes through the wall and dies in the snow outside. McCready throws a lit stick of dynamite on top of it to blow it up. McCready is then forced to torch Windows with the other flamethrower, since he's now actively being assimilated. McCready finishes testing Childs, Gary, and Nalls, and none of them are infected. While Childs stays behind to watch the base, McCready, Gary, and Nalls go to check on Blair to give him the blood test. However, they discover the shed empty. After removing some loose floorboards, they discover an excavated cavern where Blair was secretly building a small spacecraft from parts he scavenged from the helicopter and the rest of the base. Where was he trying to go? Any place but here. They are confused when they see Childs running off into the storm, but at that moment, the compound's power suddenly turns off. It is then they realize that Blair is the last thing, and that as a last-ditch effort, it wants to freeze them and itself going back into hibernation since it has no way out with the humans there. Realizing their slim chance of survival in the cold, and knowing the importance of keeping the thing from ever leaving, McCready proposes they blow up the base and the thing along with it. McCready, Nalls, and Gary begin setting fire to the complex with Molotov cocktails and blowing it up with dynamite. They then venture down into the basement of the base, where the generator is, to set the rest of the TNT charges. While setting a charge, Gary is ingested by Blair. Nalls disappears soon after. McCready, after yelling for his status report and hearing nothing, comes face to face with the huge and slimy and distorted Blair thing, which destroys his detonator. With nothing else to do, McCready throws a lit stick of dynamite at it and dives for cover. The thing and the rest of the compound explodes in dramatic fashion. McCready stumbles from the wreckage to his decimated shack. Childs appears shortly after, still equipped with his flamethrower. McCready asks Childs why he left the base. He claims he had seen Blair and had gotten lost in the storm after running after him. The two sit opposite each other, 
facing one another, exhausted but weary. If you're worried about me, if we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. They take swigs from a bottle of whiskey while we see the rest of the base in flames. The men sit, waiting for the fires to go out and the winter to consume them. Amazing summary, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> it left me in tears, honestly. I'm glad that you're so confident that the summary <laughs> I'll do is, is, is good enough to say that for. At some point, I'm just going to put like a really bad summary yeah. in there, but you'll still compliment it. <laughs> what I like about this movie so much, Ian, so it's John Carpenter, and we know John Carpenter did Halloween, the original Halloween that we watched a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does slow burn so much like he his all of his movies even the slasher which slashers today aren't totally slow burn he just he slow burns his stories uh and i think it works super well for the thing i think it's very critical for this movie that it does work at the pace it does him being the director of this kind of the creative mind behind it more or less was just a phenomenal move yeah i i completely agree and and you're right like the slow burn just because, I mean, in a way, I'd say this is kind of a mystery horror. Yeah. It's, you know, who is, who is among us? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, the, the the building of suspense and, and just, like you said, the slow burn and like, it's done extremely well to plant these seeds of, of uh, you know, who is the thing, who's not. It can give you like red herrings here and there. It's just, it's really well done in, in keeping that suspense going. And... Unlike Maggie, which builds suspense the whole movie and then, depending on who you are, delivers on it or doesn't, this movie is pretty explosive in how it delivers upon the suspense, um, you know, which is really helped by its incredible special effects. Yeah, I think that that's key is that they build that suspense, but then they give us that relief. Uh, they have a few comedic relief moments, but they also just have relief of like, maybe we did get it this time. Mm hmm. Uh, and spoiler alert, they never really do get it for a long time. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, and the cool thing is, is that the way that they set it up is because this, the the thing, um, you know, it, it it's the way that it spreads is that even if you get one person who is the thing, that doesn't mean that the thing is gone. It could be another person as well. And so that allows you to have those those times when it's like, oh my gosh, he's the thing. But then it's not necessarily over. So you both release that tension, but you also keep the suspense going because you're now, okay, now what? I want to address real quick why I took off a point. And the issue I take is that the way it spreads, it's great that it spreads and it's not necessarily gone all the time. However, I feel like it needed some more hard and fast rules of to how it took on somebody's form and personality and everything because it felt like you could just kind of say whoever is the thing now right you didn't have to you didn't have to think like oh well they were alone in a room at this point or something I, it felt like i couldn't i wasn't able to guess who because of that especially since they're perfect imitations and i i kind of wanted that like i want to be able to play the game of who is it and they made it fun that we never really knew who it was but i wanted still to be able to feel like i had a chance to guess that makes sense and and i would agree that solidifying the rules surrounding the uh, the thing but also i found its origin to be a little blurry like we see that you know it's this giant spaceship has crashed into the ice you know and then they figure out that that's where this thing came from that the norwegians were after but they don't go into the spaceship um or at least we don't really see them go into the spaceship and explore it and find more on the origins of this creature 
Um, the closest we get to that is them dissecting it, them figuring out the mimicking part of it, which was well done. But because they don't really do that exploration, you know, a scene of that where we're exploring the origins of the alien, even though they have his crash spaceship in there, I think it does weaken the rules surrounding it because we don't get that origin story. Uh, I think that an origin story could have been what solidified the rules. I think you could have also had a scene where you had a red shirt guy uh, locked in a room with it and we got to see it eat him, you know, um, mm-hmm. and we got to see the whole process and they kind of studied the process so they understood it. So, and I, yeah, I think it could be done in like a whole lot of different ways. Oh, definitely. And, and I'm not even saying that they should have done that. It's just because they had the spaceship there and they did go into it. It's just that they didn't they didn't really show us that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's because of like budgeting and stuff, you know, they'd have to have it a whole nother set and it'd probably take up a lot of movie time. So I understand that. And I don't even think that they needed it. But because they did have that there, that is a way that they could have solidified some sort of rules of the alien and its origins. I'd agree that there's a lot they could have done with it, that they maybe should have done with it there. Um, to me, ultimately, whatever they did to get more hard and fast rules would have been okay with me. That's just what I needed. And then I feel like they kind of messed with it some where the it's, he's introduced as a dog. The thing is, or it is, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a, maybe it's a she, I don't know. But so this, this thing, it's the dog and it's put in the cage and it's tearing apart all those other dogs, you know, and it's, it's a whole fiasco. It's like pinning them down. They're trying to bite through the fence and stuff. It's not like a quick and easy thing. It, it, it's so loud. It's so prolonged that people are alarmed to it and they come to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. whereas any other time it seems to get somebody it's done in silence it's done quick it's a quick kill if it is like an intelligent creature which it clearly is why is it alarming everybody to its presence with the dogs right that's what i want to know so i that that doesn't quite fit with me but it's it doesn't ruin the movie but it does kind of like i feel like it does kind of hurt it a little bit mm-hmm. there are ways that you can justify it but yeah no i i agree they do kind of mess with it um, and yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why I had to remove some points, uh, or just my two points, is especially near the end, while uh, one of the reasons why I really like this movie is that I believe that the actions of the characters and, and the thing, I think for the most part, makes sense. Except for once you start getting close to the end, and then by that point, it's like, okay, at this point, it'd be really silly to split up. And then they, they split up. <laughs> and so that part's like a little eh, like it's not too bad the way that they do it but it's still a little eh. and then uh then when the alien confronts mccready in like the generator basements right before he blows him up it like just kind of pops out of the ground and looks at him all scary but doesn't actually try to attack him like it was cool but it was also a little silly yeah it was it was cool to see but it was weird that like it like it was burrowing underground like it caused this whole like wave in the earth yeah uh if it was that powerful the whole time why didn't it ever use any of that you know well exactly and if it had provided explanation like oh well it's absorbed quite a few life forms by now like it's getting stronger like yeah again giving us more rules surrounding that would have helped yeah um or just you know having just them just being more consistent with the abilities and and powers of this of this creature uh so yeah that that's where it's like lost a little bit but overall the things i like get that give this movie an a for me is it's fantastic setting it's incredible effects and the characters making sense to me and also being good but like just the things that they do tend to make sense and then i thought the ending was also very good it was very it was pretty smooth all the way through yeah i uh I would agree. It was it was overall an enjoyable experience. There are those few things that we can get at, mainly revolving around the thing's actual ability. But by no means did it hurt. Did it like kill the movie at all? I would say that the most enjoyable thing was being able to play that kind of like who isn't and getting to like they really do a good job with the slow burn of making you feel that kind of tension with you, just as much as our audience. And I love that they even have us question our main character at some point, McCready. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I was watching it, I 100% believed like, oh, wow, that's a huge move that they made McCready the thing. But then we realized he's not and it's like crazy and it's all they really do a good job of making it that no one is safe. Yeah. And the fact that I think it was I think it was Childs who went with him outside and then he saw his like shredded shirt or something in the furnace. 
I think that was Nalls who went with him. Or maybe it was Nalls. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> you racist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, someone someone went went with him to the uh, to like his uh, cabin because like the light was on, and that was a little suspicious because at this mm-hmm. point we'd already seen that his like there was like a shredded version of a shirt or something that one of the other guys had seen. And then, like, it was a little suspicious that he's like, I didn't leave the light on, so someone else turns it on. We got to go check it out. And so, yeah, at that point, I was like, oh, man, I bet McCree is the thing. And then they sort of follow that through. But then, yeah, it's just that was an excellent twisty, turny part of the movie um, where you you weren't sure who was the thing and who wasn't. Yeah, that was really cool to see. I also liked when he finally got everyone tied up and was testing the blood. Because you have like this super high suspense, even though like nothing really big happens, the way that the blood like jumps out, it's one of those scenes that just kind of makes you jump and it's really well done. Yeah, well, and they did it with Palmer, which is genius because like he just finished saying like, we'll get to you last to I think like Gary or something. Yep. Uh, and so we're all like, oh, OK, so we're going to see you with Gary. But then like and Palmer is just one that we figure is just going to like go. Just just like the regu- the others, he's going to test negative. They created like a little lull there in the tense moment to jump scare us. And it was really great. It was really well done. Yeah. And yeah, that whole thing with his light being on, that it was crazy because it both represented itself as evidence for uh, McCready, like luring someone there to get him because he's the thing. But it could all it also justifies his shirt being out because the thing went to go get his shirt and cut it up. Yeah, to frame him. Yeah, exactly. And... I think it was, I want to say it was Jack was his name. The guy who found his shirt originally. Then that, I guess, burned himself. That was a bit of an issue I had. I didn't, I wanted to know what happened with him. Yeah. Because uh, they just found his corpse out in the snow. And that's not how the thing works. It wouldn't leave that corpse, you know. Uh, it doesn't suddenly like be like, oh, I'm going to use the flamethrower on you because I'm angry or something. So I would like to know what happened with him definitively. Yeah, you're right. It is kind of a. You don't really get an answer to that. Yeah, like the best the best answer for me is that he did burn himself because he was like, don't want to at least be like controlled by it or something or digested by it. Uh, and that's the that's the answer that sits best with me, but it's still not wonderful. And I'd like more evidence that it was him that did it to himself, if that is the case. It almost seems like one of those things that was cut out of the theatrical version, like it was explained in the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if that's what happened. Yeah. Well. Going back to the beginning, I got to say that the setting of this movie is is fantastic. Just the fact that it's set up in a naturally isolated and dark and inhospitable environment is awesome. Like, it's just like alien, right? No one can hear you scream in space. And then, of course, they also have this great setup using a language barrier, which makes sense in Antarctica because you've got all these researchers from all over the world. Of course, I think that usually they'd be able to speak English, but even so, like, it, it still makes sense. And they use that to maintain this mystery, like giving some like, uh, like, oh, gosh, I wonder what's happening here. This is so weird. But also keeping that language barrier so it remains a mystery so that they can't communicate it. So it's like a great way to just start it off. And it's a great setting to have the story in. Yeah, it's no, it all works very well. It all pieces together. Super believably and just super smoothly. I, I took issue with one thing in the beginning, but not a huge of an issue because they did set it up as like premise. It was it was when our Norwegian guy drops his grenade thing in the snow <laughs> after pulling the pen. And he's just like, where'd my grenade go? And he's just digging through it in the snow. Like after like two seconds, you realize like, OK, maybe I just let this explode away from me. <laughs> but I was just like, that's so stupid. Like, that's just so dumb. But it was like an unfortunate event of the beginning. Had it been had that happened like later in the movie, that's when I would have been really bothered by it. Yeah. Um, I'm more bothered just by the character than it is than I'm actually bothered by it as used in the story as it stands. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was I just shook my head so hard. I was just like, why? This is this is very stupid. I, I like to think that it's like because his like mittens are like icy or something and it just like slips out. And like, um, I can, but like, and then to stay in the snow digging for like a live grenade for so long. That's just like, the, the way I like imagine it is that, um, he's desperate to get it away from the helicopter because that's their only means of escape. I can see that, but also if he, if they get this thing, 
they can escape with the American. But yeah, I was just like, oh my, <laughs> like oh my god! Like, in one like foul swoop, he managed to blow himself up and the helicopter just out of like total stupidity. And I was, jeez, jeez, dude. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that was the dumb character. De- Otherwise, there weren't actually dumb character decisions. I felt like because it was such a stressful and like tense situation that I feel like any decision made by characters made sense even if it was like kind of irrational it made sense because of the situation they're in like it's n- it's not uncommon to think irrationally in those situations like for example um what was his name clive i think coming at uh mccready with a knife uh, uh clark i think yeah clark that's his name he like coming at him with a knife uh that's just not that's just not that's not really smart uh whatever however that ends it doesn't seem to end well so it, it, but like, he's also scared, and it's also a situation where he's not really ready to believe McCready. Um, so like, while it's an irrational decision, it's an understood decision. Um, and the movie just did a great job of not making a whole bunch of decisions I couldn't understand. The only one was him searching for the grenade. <laughs> that was the only decision I just took issue with. I think it was also it was interesting the fact that he kills Clark and Clark is kind of set up to be like the obvious the thing um, because he was with like the dog for a while and like all that. But then it it turns out that neither him or the doctor who died was the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was rough all around. His flick onto Clark. I was like, that's some MLG gamer moves right there. Yeah, that was that was good. It's a quick shot. Well, speaking of the doctor, though. There's like that scene when uh, the doctor's like trying to give CPR to this guy, right? Um, and oh. then the stomach opens up and chomps on his arms. God, that was brutal. The the body horror in this in this movie was was Dude, crazy. That one messes with me specifically. The just the body opening up like that. I was like, oh, that's that's so far from okay. The way that they like had like these strands of mucusy phalanges or whatever like just burst out of the thing and like latch onto stuff was was very gross and like but also like really really cool (laughs) yeah um i was kind of confused about his intent like i i finally realized why but the things intent like his reason for doing that rather than just letting them believe that the thing was a dead body Mm because i thought that would have been really beneficial for it um but I think that the survivors ultimately would have burned him anyways had he just been dead. Just to like be safe, you know? Yeah. Uh so I think that's why it felt like I had to make a move. Um I'm I'm curious as to like I think it must have played dead in the first place to try to frame McCready even further. Because it did kind of like pose McCready as its main threat. Uh trying to frame him and constantly like, getting people around him to get to him. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that was kind of interesting. And then its head popping off, dude, and crawling around. That was <laughs> that was freaky. I was not okay. But it was a really cool way for McCready to realize that like each part of it is a whole. I think that's a cool concept, too, for the thing of like, it doesn't act. It's not a hive mind, right? Two different things. They're still concerned with self-preservation, which is interesting. Yeah. So they tested everyone at that one point, and they started frying everyone up. And I guess the thing after that must have been in Blair for a long time, which makes sense because someone could have easily gone out to the shed and gotten Blair as the thing. And, and well, here's here's something which I really like, mm-hmm. which is that Blair's actions make sense both for if he was the thing and if he was human. Yes. No, that it, I, I liked that, too. That was really crazy. Yeah, because, you know, he he starts going, you know, crazy. And he he hears that Clark had been alone with the alien for a while, which is and and I don't even know if he was the thing at that point or not. Um, so he becomes suspicious of Clark, or at least that's what he gives off the impression of being. And then he goes, he eventually goes a little crazy, and he starts destroying all of their communications equipment. He like sabotages the helicopter and the tractor, and yeah, they have to like take him down and lock him in like the cabin outside. It makes sense if he was human because, you know, he's, he doesn't he wants to make sure the thing doesn't escape. He's willing to do anything to do it. Like he kind of knows what's going on here because he's the doctor who was like analyzing the specimens like he knows how dangerous it is um, and like all that stuff makes sense. But also if it's the thing, then it makes sense because it keeps them from like getting back up. He's able to use the parts from the helicopter to like work on his spaceship underground. <laughs> um 
it's cool that it makes sense both ways. I think that while he was sabotaging everything, I think he was still Blair during that time because they can't they come in on him at, like uh, destroying all the equipment with the axe and stuff. And Windows is there alone with him where the thing it would have been more beneficial to take Windows instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the dogs, it would have been more beneficial to take the dogs because then if they try to use the dog for an escape route, they are things. So that that's my justification for like, that's my thought process that he was a person then. And I think someone must have gone out to the storage shed to change him later. And I think it had to happen really soon because of how long, how far along that spaceship was coming. Uh, so I think shortly after they locked him up, someone went out there and converted him. Yeah. And, and I think that makes sense because I mean, first of all, he's like alone out there. So it's easy. But then also uh, later he like approaches him and he's like, you know, I think I'm better now. I'd like to come inside. You know, obviously by that point, it's not the same. Yeah. Guy. Like at that point, it's definitely the thing. So there's definitely a change there, I think. I think that honestly, he because he had that noose that he tied up. Um, and I think we're supposed to think he was going to kill himself because he's like, I just don't I can't deal with this. I think he was killing himself. And then the thing came out while he was like killing himself and converted him then it was my thought process because there there is a noose in there isn't yeah it? it is they never address that do they no it's it's i think it's meant <laughs> to just be kind of like uh like kind of that just storytelling through the environment of like he thought about killing himself but decided not mm-hmm. to uh and like he kind of got better but i think he didn't get better i think he killed himself or like was in the process of killing himself when he was turned that's so interesting oh you know what that could mean what's that all right, here's here's a new theory. No, oh, okay. That new burned out, that burned corpse outside yeah. is Blair's because he died. And then um, the other guy who was walking outside and saw like McCree's shirt or whatever, he was actually the thing, and so he morphed into Blair to sort of cover that up and burned the corpse. Uh, well, and like put the I- identification thing on. Uh, but the thing doesn't leave corpses; it it digests you, and then therefore can become you. That was always a kind of an issue I took with it is when it consumes you, can it does it multiply at that point? Can it consume you and then be you and this other person or does it simply possess you and then like it can, I don't know, bleed or something onto you and then it possesses the other person? Maybe it's kind of like nanobots in a way, like it's constructed from organic nanobots. Mm -hmm. So it can kind of like come together as a whole, but it can also be like separate. That's that's what I figure it must be, because otherwise, like, why attack the dogs if it can't become the dogs? Because then they walk in on a pin with one dog and they're like, that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a little strange. <laughs> yeah. That's it's also a very big dog. Huh? <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think that it must. That's really how it must work it. And it's really just a species we can't understand. Because, mm-hmm. like, for us, it's weird to have, like, two things become one again. But, like, it's mine just must work completely differently. In that sense, just being a little split off. So, yeah, I. I figure that's what it must be as well. But I do wish we got a little bit of like explanation again as to that. Definitely. Um, so that's really just where the movie falls apart is that uh, not falls apart entirely. But like, I think that's the hole in the movie is like, how does the thing work exactly? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's surprisingly like it's not that bad of a hole to have. No, it really isn't. They because we don't entirely need to understand. It would be nice so we could play along better, though. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, do you have anything you want to say before we hop into the summary here, Ian? You know, honestly, I think with the, the survey questions that we have, I think it'll bring up more things to discuss. So let's let's hit it. So like we said, uh, they got, we got an 8.5 on the rating. The scariness, uh, it sat like sixes and eights. There was one person who gave it a one. They just weren't scared, which, uh, wow, you have a stomach of iron because even I get a little sick, like just looking at the thing. It's nasty. <laughs> Uh, and it averaged out to an eight on the scareness or on how, on how disturbing, not scary from six to tens. And would that make sense? At least, at least they acknowledge that they were disturbed by it, not scared. Cause I, th- I think yeah. this is one of those things that you just, you are disturbed by. There's not helping it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard not to be disturbed by this, by scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. So we have what aspect of the movie scared or disturbed you the most. So our four options are seeing the body horror of the thing and it's, mucus mucusement mutations uh not knowing who to trust how anyone could turn out to be the thing at any time or being trapped and isolated from civilization with a deadly creature or being assimilated and replaced by an alien duplicate of yourself which do you think took the cake in i mean it's got to be the 
the the mucousy mutations, like mucousy the, mutations. the body horror. I I I, guess, I think that's got to be the most. That's the most. Okay. And what was the least? Uh, being trapped. Being trapped. Okay. So you guessed the two that were not voted on. No. So one one you were right on. One you were no, entirely wrong. Not again. <laughs> uh, I've fallen. So, but the most was actually not knowing who to trust. Uh, Interesting. So okay. that I think that just speaks to how well the movie came across with that idea, because that is kind of what we're supposed to be afraid of. Uh, That's true. So I think it just speaks to how well they really got that idea across with the buildup of the characters, build up of suspense. So good to them. Yeah, I mean, while while I definitely agree with that, I'm surprised that no one went for uh, the the mucusy mutations. Yeah, I know. Because that's like the most in your face one, whereas like the, you know, you don't know who to trust is a little more within the depth of it. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. That's cool to hear. Uh, and then there were there was votes at least on, but it didn't take either side was being assimilated. Mm. Yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> um. So our next question is another pie chart. So you have a chance to redeem yourself again. Uh, right. There's no doubt body horror played a significant role in this movie. Which of the following body horror scenes disturbed you the most? We have five options. The kennel beast, the toothed stomach, spider head, the head muncher, and generator big boy. <laughs> Do you like my names? <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm kind of thinking like the kennel, the toothed stomach, and spider head have votes. <laughs> Okay, because uh, I mean there are a lot of options. Um, I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna give you this. There is one that took the cake, and there is one that did not get votes. Oh, interesting. interesting. Uh, actually, there are two that didn't get votes. My bad. Okay. All right. Um, I bet Headmuncher and Generator Big Boy didn't get votes. Okay. Um, just because I I do think that they were the least offensive. <laughs> um, All right. And then that leaves the kennel, spider head, and the tooth stomach. I'm going to go with the most disturbing being the kennel, but that the other two got votes. Okay. So the most disturbing <laughs> was actually the toothed stomach. Oh, I thought that <laughs> might be. I could uh, feel you leaning towards it. Uh, the other two that got votes, but were not it, were Generator Big Boy and Kennel Beast. Oh, no one voted for Spiderhead. No one voted for Spiderhead. That wasn't it for people. Nor for Headmuncher. Spider head, spider head. <laughs> so our next question, do you think the thing was killed in the end? Do you think either McCready or Childs was the thing? Why or why not? Oh, I'm curious about these answers. Mm. I'm curious. Uh, so let's go through the answers before we give it ourselves. Yeah. yeah uh, that way we get some, we get some, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. some uh, opinions. <laughs> our first is I'd like to believe it was killed, but the own makes it much more terrifying. So I hope it wasn't. So no. Uh, I don't know which was the thing, but at least one of them was, if not both. The way the camera lingered and the tension remained makes me think so anyway. Also, the fact that neither of them suggested burning themselves or each other. Interesting. Uh, our next one is, it's never dead. I was the thing all along. Wow. Really just breaking <laughs> the fourth wall yourself there. <laughs> also, sorry, but here this gives me a question. Can the thing tell when another person is also the thing? Oh, yeah. Like if that... If they accidentally just like locked two things in a room where they just try to eat each other and it'd just be really awkward. Yeah, like they're just like, like what would they know? Because then that also bring like because that person just pointed out in one of those responses, like, um, what if both of them, right? Mm -hmm. What if both of them were the thing? Like, would they know? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, it's I'd be another one of those things. Like, I want rules. Uh, Yeah, I think Childs was the thing because he was gone for a suspiciously long time. That's fair. I said it's fair. Yeah. And and of course that's what McCready was thinking. Yeah. What what are you thinking? I mean, here's also the thing, right? Like after the explosion, like McCready comes after it. There's no telling like how long he was down there. Yeah. So like the way that they have time, and also the fact that it's a little weird that Childs would still somehow have the flamethrower if he had been taken by the thing. You know, because he probably would have used it if he was attacked by the thing, unless he was stuck up on. But that seems unlikely. So. I almost want to say that either neither of them are the thing or McCready is the thing. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think I think McCready's not the thing because he blew it up and then we see him in his whole situation. So I feel like he can't be the thing for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, unless there's a scene like an unwritten scene there or like an un, 
just something we didn't get to see of him blowing it up, but then it not being entirely dead and then getting him. I think Childs could be the thing, because while you're right, it is weedy to have the flamethrower. I think it wouldn't be hard to sneak up on him in that weather. It's really hard to see in front of you in that weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been out during like a really harsh blizzard, but like I've I've walked to a shed that was like five feet from the house and gotten lost. Oh, no, like that. That does make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'm coming up the perspective because he was inside. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he walked out and that was weird. Like they saw him walk out and they're like, huh, I wonder why Childs is walking outside. Right. Um, And at that point, Blair is inside. So. Or, or he's about to be inside. So I think if Childs was the thing, it would be because Blair snuck up on him inside and not outside. Oh, okay. So he's just lying about being outside in the first place. Well, no, he because he, we did see him go outside. But by that time, he would have already had to be the thing, um, at least how it makes sense in my mind. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing him go outside. I remember we see him outside in the end, but I don't think I don't remember seeing him ever we, we, actually leave outside. We do. Uh, do we? They, they okay. do see. Yeah, they do see him like that. And they even like talk about, it. I think, like, you know, what's he doing outside or something like that? Um, like they see him leave. OK, which is weird for them, because because remember, McCready asks him, he's like, you know, why'd you why'd you leave? And he's like, oh, I thought I saw Blair. I Well, I think I, I thought that was before they made the strategy to blow up the place, though. Wait, when? Like I, th- I, they, yeah, they see him leaving, and he wasn't supposed to leave because if he saw Blair, he was supposed to burn him. Yeah, uh, come back without them. But I think I thought that was before they made the before they like went and saw the generators blown up altogether and stuff. Like I thought they reconvened after that. That that is correct. All the child wasn't there. The child, I, I thought it was him, Gary, and Childs that were all three there together. No, it was Nalls. Nalls was down there. Oh, it was Nalls. Okay. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I'm the racist. <laughs> I, no, no, no. We've both made this mistake. No, <laughs> or we're, or one of us is wrong, and one of us is the thing. We're just, we're just playing the thing now. Oh gosh. Um, but yeah, no. I think Nalls and Gary, uh, were down there with, um, with McCready, and then okay. Childs was outside during that time. No, okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I. Yeah, no, you're right. All, all this is to say. That if Childs was became the thing, I think it would have happened inside. Okay, and then he left as the thing. Yes, or he left thinking he saw Blair and wanted to get him. Whatever the case, I think Childs is more likely to be the thing than McCready. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that uh, it would make for a fun sequel to see like a rescue team come and like for whatever reason they come only like a week later or something. And they find Child still alive, but McCready died a little bit, a little bit back. Um, and then it's a whole detective situation. They kind of like relive it, but Child is the thing. Like he's the dog in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be kind of fun. That would be a cool way to do the sequel. Uh, and I think a fun prequel would be uh, you could do the Norwegians and just do the story again with the Norwegians. Mm-hmm. Um just instead of dog, it's actually the thing in the ice. Or maybe it's like a they thought they were like thawing out a cyber-toothed tiger or something. But I think more fun prequel would be to find that the alien spaceship that crashed down, uh, there were like human-looking life forms on that spaceship, and mm-hmm. they came across the thing that started imitating them, and it brought the ship down onto Earth. Oh. Like, it's a plague that was on the ship, and then it now plagues Earth. And but you don't pose it as a prequel to the thing. You leave that to be discovered, like at the end of the movie. That that'd be super interesting, especially because they were saying that that ship's been there for like a hundred thousand years or something. Yeah. So you, you have it just lands like you know, or maybe it was even longer ago. You you, you like see Pangea, you know, like yeah. on the on All the Earth as it crashes or something. But yeah, that'd be it'd be pretty cool to do something like that where you just have this other storyline of like aliens whose ship is infected by the thing. I think it would be a lot of fun. But yeah, that's where I would want to take the franchise, if anyway. Well, our last question, Ian. If you were the thing, what would be your big brain strategy to stay alive amongst these armed and dangerous humans? Ooh. What would yours be, Ian? Let's, let's, let's get into these before. Here, here's the pro strategy, in my opinion. I actually behave like a completely normal dog until 
I get to leave Antarctica. And see, I'm I'm the exact same way. There was no reason to kill all those dogs. Mm-hmm. Just literally, yeah, they're gonna bring the dogs back with them. So yeah, just I become friends with the dogs. Okay, we we stick it out. You know, I make friends with all of them. Get on the same side. You know, and then once I have a chance to like leave Antarctica, then that's when I like might you know sneak into someone's room and be like, blah, 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 blah. and then mm-hmm. <laughs> you know as you do. And then mimic them so I can like, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'll have to mimic them so I can leave. Uh, but basically, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to expand as fast as this thing tries to expand. Yeah. Know? It seems a little greedy. So I might, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to try to stay a little more reserved, keep a low profile. Yeah. Then they bring you to the mainland and you can spread so much faster. Um, I guess the one defense for the thing in this case of like why it didn't do that, because I do think that is just the smarter play is that it doesn't necessarily know there is a mainland. Uh, that's as true. As far as it knows, this is the entire world. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one thing I'll say in the, the thing's defense, but I think that, yeah, that would have been the better play, is to just be for a while. Yeah, and who's to say that the thing is especially smart? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it's got some sense, but, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's... No, yeah, it's not making the most logical decision every time. It's not weighing out everything. And it could have to eat as well. Yep, totally. Um, so our first response is hold out as long as possible before revealing my true form during transformation. Try to fly away on the copter. So yeah, they took the took the same route as us. Uh, I'm currently feeling very small-brained. However, I feel like if I were the Blair thing, instead of sticking around after the humans blow my ship, I would have booked it out of there to go hibernate in the ice. Uh, so I guess you would just try again. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So just go immediately into hibernation. Yeah. Oh, here's an interesting idea. And again, this this is one that could be possible because we don't know the rules entirely, is have a piece split off and form a thing and then be the first to kill it. Oh, that's big brain yeah, right there. Pretty smart, yeah. Um, but also, like, again, we don't know the rules. Does it recognize that as itself, though? Or like they, when you split off into two things, are they both sentient and both want life? So one isn't willing to be the one that dies? Um. But the way that you could do it is you could kind of betray yourself, the other yeah. thing that split off from you. Um, but if you ha- if you do s- I, again, we don't know the rules, so it's all weird. But like, if you do That's split true. off like that, does it leave knowing that that was your thought though, or is it like a new thing that doesn't have it's doesn't retain those thoughts? That's really a good question. It's all just it's all freaky because we can't know, and it's good that we don't know some of the things. But I would like to know more. It's it's good that we don't know some of the things. <laughs> uh. Last one is just lay low and convert as many people as possible by concerning them alone or by cornering them alone with ne. I don't know what ne is. Any. With me, I guess is what they meant. Would be my guess. Ah, yes. Yeah, I think that that's kind of its idea in the first place. And it just went wrong when it went crazy at the dog pen. So, yeah. I wonder if like the if it had to go crazy at the dog pen because like the dogs would eventually try to smell it and greet it and stuff and realize it's not a dog. Mm hmm. If their senses are more attuned to that, but yeah, that's all our that's all our surveying. Oh, sweet! Any uh, last thoughts you want to give on it? I mean, I just got to say that, yeah, it's the thing. I mean, it it really does remind me of Alien, just in terms of how much I enjoyed it, how well it's aged. Um, if you can survive all the dog deaths, <laughs> um, it's definitely worth watching. Uh, it's just it, it's it's got all the all the elements to make it great um you know of course it has some things missing that could be better but like the foundation of it the important stuff it's all there and i think that's that's the key is things that could be better but it's nothing that's actually bad exactly Um, so yeah that's overall great movie holds up it really feels like you know you just you're experiencing kind of john carpet carpenter's creativity in like the perfect environment yeah, and he just kind of gets to go all out, and you get to enjoy that. I feel really like cool. he thrives here a lot more than he does in the slasher. I feel like, yeah, just because I think slow burn loans itself better to this, at least for the modern day. <laughs> so you don't just have to watch Michael staring at teenagers for most of the movie. Yeah, thank you all so much for coming by. Thank you for listening in. Uh, if you do want to keep up with us, uh, we are, our Discord will be in the link linked in the description. So click on that. 
hop in and then watch movies with us every Friday night at 7. We also have a Twitch where we stream at twitch.tv slash pathsofear. And we're soon to have the website going, pathsofear.com. I'm going to try to work on that this week. Oh, my goodness. See, thank you all so much, and you'll have a wonderful day. Thank you.